Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 525 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, are you ready to talk about actual comic book news? No TV news? No. <sighs> okay. There was a movie story, but I took it out for time constraints. That's right, because we got a pack show. But That's yeah, right. I'm actually, do- I'm, it actually feels good to have comic book news a- about actual comic book stuff in the news this week. Yes, such as uh, Marvel giving out free variant covers. Mm. There must be a catch. Um, what is going to happen to that 5G that we've talked about for the last year? Right. And uh, my feelings and thoughts there. Uh, cancellations, of course, one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. And I would say two big game-changing stories, one for Marvel and one for DC. I would totally agree. Yeah. Um, a convention story for this weekend <laughs> that we could all take part in. Oh, safely, I hope. Well, hopefully no one's going to get any uh, the world best crab cakes <laughs> and a side of misogyny, but that's neither here nor there. A ton of digital sales. What we read this past week, which includes Immortal Hulk 38, Rorschach number one, and Flash 763. Ooh. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week um, of course, Todd's art attack and uh, talk and discussion of the first episode of the Marvel Hulu series Hellstrom. Yes, I'm interested I asked to hear. Question. No, you're right. I'm interested to hear your opinion on Hellstrom, as I'm interested in giving my opinion on Hellstrom. Right. I would have watched more, but I had to rewatch the season finale of The Boys with my wife. Of course. So let's get into, we'll kind of start with the lower end things. I saw people from our local retailer and uh, people who visit our local retailer lamenting that the recent Amazing Spider-Man 850, which is, I think, the third issue in a row to have (laughs) multiple variant covers, the blank sketch variant covers were done on like a type of cardstock that you can't do sketches on. Right, which They're like I, a more glossy as opposed to like the more card stocky. Right. And when I've looked into this more because the uh, art collector actually contacted me about this, um, basically because you you got the issue and what he said, uh, uh, Spider-Man 850 was a legacy bo- number or whatever, but that was a 999 book, right? Or something like that. 799. Yes. So it was a ni- 9.99. Basically, what they had done was they it was square bound and they put it on the cover was the same paper as the cheap interior paper. So, like, there's almost no difference between the cover and the interior paper and the interior paper on Marvel Comics has gotten flimsier and flimsier. So then it's also got a gloss front. So you could like ink will seep through 
the 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 cover and it's tough to draw on and glossy it's like you know you'll it'll rub and smear and stuff like that and talking to to josh he was like it's so much cheaper and flimsier than all the 9.99 books that uh dc has been putting out with uh blank sketch covers so you can have artists draw on them but all that stuff is thick like cardstock paper which is more of like not glossy and like like flat and everything so people have been liking those more and these are just terrible so marvel is like literally going we're going to replace all of these because so many people complain with new cardstock covers like we should have done in the first place joe and to take a hit like that on a nine ninety nine cover, a uh, nine ninety nine book is a big hit, right? But you have to remember, it's only anybody who got copies of that is still a big hit. But I doubt the sketch covers equal what uh, retailers bought of the regular covers. You know what right. I mean? What what? Yeah. So what the the thing from Marvel is saying is, you know, if your store ordered 10 of the blank variants, we're going to send you 10 replacements. Right. So that's, that's different. Right. And, and, I, and, and the, the, with the abject thing being is it's like, if you, if you're a retailer who ordered 10, we're sending you 10 new ones. Under the guise that if you order 10 and you sold 10, when we send you these 10 new ones, you give them to the people who bought the 10. Right, which seems fair. Which seems fair, but is putting a lot of onus on, and it's, and it's obviously, I'm saying it's put a lot of onus on the the retailer and the person to know that this is happening. Like, obviously, Marvel needs to contact the retailer and say, hey, we're fixing this mistake. Mm-hmm. hopefully the retailer has a good enough relationship with their customer base that they know who they sold those blank variants to to say, hey, you bought this blank variant, bring it back and we'll give you a fixed one. Right, because I don't know if our retailer, and I, you know, I believe our retailer would take care of Josh, no problem. But like, as soon as I saw that article, I was like, sent it off to Josh because he bought like two or three of them. Oh boy. Right. And he was like, and not only did he told me not only did, are they terrible for drawing on that? Like they came busted up, you know what I mean? Because those still come from diamond and everything. And I was like, Oh, and like, I was like, okay. So I was like, I sent it off and he's like, I'm like, he's like, email to our retailer immediately. He's like, cause I want to find out if he's getting them. Like what you have to like, cause who knows, maybe, uh, you know, like he was like, maybe you have to ask for them or whatever. You know what I mean? And he's like, I'm like, go to it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, good for you. Get, get them back because, you know, that's a, that's a lot of, that's, that's $30, you know, to put out for three comics so he can get sketch, you know, covers on them, people to draw on them. Personally, um, do it at whatever you want with your money. I'm anti in for my collection myself, anti sketch cover comics. Like, yeah. I would, yeah, I I would never get one unless it was somebody that I like. It was in my top ten dream list artists needed to have, and that was the only way I could ever get it. Otherwise, give it to me on artboard or put it in my sketchbook. I do not want it on a sketch cover. I think I may have got a couple of the rebirth ones. Mm-hmm. Only because, one, they were, like, the same price. And, two, I had intentions of going to conventions to get things done. And then I stopped going to conventions. 
Yes. And I even remember we went when we went to one of our earliest conventions together and it was, you know, uh, down in, out in Baltimore, you took, uh, some variant covers. And I remember, I remember the artist who said like, I don't draw on those. Those are crap. And you're like, Oh, okay. And, and I think you may have gotten something different, but it was just like, yeah, a lot of the artists don't like them. And I've seen some really stupid stuff with sketch covers. Like, and obviously you could do whatever you want, but like, you're like, okay, I'm getting somebody, hopefully at least they've done the character in the book. It's like, all right, you're going to get Finch. All right. He drew Batman. I'll get a, I get a Batman issue that he drew, or at least he drew along the lines because anybody could do a cover different from the interior. I'm like, okay, but we're, what really drives my like uh, OCD crazy that the little bit that I have is when I see people who want them and because they, I actually saw, and it makes no sense, an X-Men variant cover, like blank variant with a Jonah Hex on it. Cause I was looking for Jonah Hex original art. And I'm like, how does this happen? And who buys this? And who wants, who wants a Jonah Hex on an X-Men? But because they're locked in on, I, I prefer variant uh, blank covers over artboard. And this is the only one I have. And I want a Jonah Hex by this character, I guess. And I've seen other ones like a Batman on a Spider-Man cover. And I'm like, man, that just don't work for me. That's all. That's too much. Makes I'm with me, you. You make a great me, point. Makes me lose my mind. Like there's a, and Josh loves them. And I'm like, I, once again, like I'll joking aside, I don't gatekeep. I'm like, you go do whatever you want, but I'm more picky. He's like, you're really picky when it comes to art. I said, it's my money, bro. Like I'm going to do yeah. what I want. So I just, I just find that fascinating the way different people look at, at art collecting different ways. So uh, another way that I guess DC is looking at what they had originally commissioned, uh, the 5g stuff. They're just making it a two-month event for January and February mm-hmm. called Future State. And with the January 2021 solicitations out over the weekend, we get a look at what it was going to be. And it doesn't appear as though it was going to be the uh, whole all the main heroes are rela- replaced by kids. Right. But what it does appear to be is... A lot of books I won't be getting from DC for February and January. I, I totally agree. This looks like a lot. Like this is Future State. Do you remember Future's End they did for, uh-huh. for two months? I didn't enjoy that. Like Convergence was yeah, Convergence fun. was another one, and there was another one in there with uh, with uh, two months where they did. There was three all together, and I forget what the third one was. And I'm like, all this does is give me a license to spend a lot less money. On DC books, because obviously like Rorschach will still be coming out that month. And there's some other stuff like in the solicits that I saw that'll still be out. But right. I'm like, I'm I'm not buying any. And some of the covers were atrocious, Joe. Like I hate to like like be negative, but like that one Superboy cover of Superman, I'm like, I'm like, is he plastic man the way his arms are bending? I'm like, nah, you, you, you've you've saved me a lot of money January and February. But what I do feel bad is how much, like, how much is this going to hurt retailers for the first month of January and February? Because, like, how many people are going to buy these books? Well, okay, so, um, hopefully, maybe, possibly, uh, DC will assist in some of the promotional stuff to get the word out there to help retailers. I know DC is making them all fully returnable. Right. Which will help. Um, but, you know, 
you know, right. There's so, ways. I don't know what they are. You know, marketing's not my uh, forte. Unless you're, you know, pushing the digital sales when you're in charge of that. But right. I just look we'll get to that I, later. Right. I'm just looking at that and go and go. All right, these books are going to sell X percent of what the regular DC books were. Granted, they they're returnable, so you're gonna, you know, you get your money back on whatever you don't sell. But if you're only selling. And I totally believe this in my heart that it's not going to sell the way the regular books do. Then they're still going to lose money. Do you know what I mean? Like if you just put out Batman books that month and Superman books, you would you probably get more people. That being said, maybe there's two or three in all of this. Like just because I'm kind of like a Flash completist, there'll be two Flash books or whatever. I'll right. grab them to put in my collection. But like they they have me on the fence of that Swamp Thing book. I'm like I buy a lot of Swamp Thing stuff. I don't want to buy that. I don't know. So I, I got two that I'm getting. Right. One is Legion mm-hmm. because it's written by Bendis. So as far as I'm concerned, it's just part of his normal run. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Superman versus Imperious Lex. Right. Written is... by Mark Russell with art by Stephen Pugh. Right. I'll probably get that one too. Um, 100%. Absolutely. Right. That's a no brainer. Mark Russell writing Superman. Mm-hmm. Okay. But will it be Clark Kent Superman, Joe? Ah, uh, you know what? I'm okay. Right. Now I have a question for you on all this. Do you think this was supposed to be longer than a two-month event? <sighs> okay. So yes, maybe, because mm-hmm. there's a couple things like your stuff that ships twice a month or like four issue mini series as it is. So those are filling up those books that ship to Two times a month anyway. Stuff like the Superman vs. Imperious Lex thing is a three-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely thinking that there's stuff that was solicited to be longer. And by the time the power shift changed at DC, they're like, what's everyone got done? What could we salvage from this? Like, these are things that may have been solicited as, like, it's a two to three to four issue miniseries to lead to a regular ongoing mm-hmm. and with the power shift it's like okay let's figure out what we got already done and let's see if we can pay the people for this and actually use it well it doesn't matter if those pages are done they got to get paid anyway right so that's the thing if those pages are done they got to get paid but now that we've paid people for them, can we salvage this? Right. We have to do it. And instead of, and I think there was a lot of haste, uh, hastily like uh, f- changing endings because it was supposed to be on like more of an ongoing thing. This was Dan Didio's like, we're going to try it again, you know, with like doing some stuff. And this is the stuff to me that I'm like, yeah, this is, if this was an ongoing idea, this is a terrible idea. So I'm just glad that it's going to be two months. I'll save money on books for two months. And hopefully, you know, Marvel and other stuff I'll be able to buy. Uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I just – more and more, there's nothing about this that I like other than one or two titles that slightly intrigue me. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Um, so the a majority of the books come back in March – do we get a bunch of things that go back to number ones? Is this like a soft reboot now? Or does everything just go back to its regular numbering like this didn't happen? Um, it's going to be like a Chinese menu. Take your pick. There's no way 
that they're going to, I don't think they'll go back to one with Batman or detective because they're, cause why do 101, 102, if you're just going to do end at 100, which is a nice big, you know, 999 book and start over at one detectives at 1000, whatever. They're not going to reboot that for a while, but some of the other books, maybe, I don't know, like action will stay at its numbering, but maybe Superman, if they bring that back, will start with a number one. Maybe Flash, even though it's at seven sixty three, it'll, it'll go to a one. I don't know. I think it'll be. Let's let's see. You know what I mean. And obviously there'll be new books. I have a feeling like somewhere out of this, we'll get that Revolutionaries book that's going to spin out of Suicide Squad. Um, so we'll have new number ones, which are completely new titles, and a lot of the old uh, books will keep their new numbering and. They can have the best of all worlds if they want, is basically what I'm saying. Uh-huh. All right. I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Your big guns, your be- like anything that just hit like those big end legacy numbers, anything like over 700. Mm-hmm. But I could see a lot of the lower end stuff getting some new number ones. Maybe this is the way that we uh, shuffle out old creative teams for new creative teams, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I totally agree. Uh, just a real quick hitter here, DC, before we get into the big things, is they just canceled some collections. Um, an old one, which is the, uh, like, a random, like, Bronze Age uh, Swamp Thing one. Right. But then there's a Teen Titans one that's collecting more of the current run of Teen Titans. And I always hate when that happens, even though I'm not reading that current run of Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. If you were someone who was getting that in trade, and now all of a sudden that trade is canceled. Right. Yeah. I'm actually more, I'm actually a sadder for these, the Bronze Age stuff, because I'm a sucker for a lot of the Bronze Age DC. Obviously, I was getting the Jonah Hex you know, bronze bronze age stuff. They change it from an omnibus to, you know, a hardcover. But that to me, that makes me like worry that there's like stuff in there that I would definitely buy that might not get released be because of this. You know what I mean? I I am a big DC Bronze Age fan. Mm-hmm. So. And I guess this one is the last run of Swamp Thing before it moves over, like in the normal order. Before it moved over to the Alan Moore stuff. Right, which he popped on around 20s. And so I think it was Len Wein before that a little bit again. Mm-hmm. Bernie Wrights and stuff like that. So yeah, that's right in that flip to when they flip the switch. Right. So let's get into our two big stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when this starts. I don't see a date in the press release on this. But Marvel announced that if you are a... Actually, my apologies. Starting today. Like, when I say today, I mean like this week. Um, Instead of being six months behind on Marvel Unlimited, they're only going three months behind. Yes. That's huge. I totally agree. I know there are a lot of people that this is their way to read. And I think by changing it to a three-month delay as opposed to a six-month delay is going to increase um, their subscription base there. I agree, and I think it's going to affect retailers also. Yes. 
because now you're now three months isn't as bad. Like depending on the storyline that's going on, like as the it'll still be coming out and you'll be able to be rereading the beginning. You know what I mean? Like before it was like, Oh, uh, this at Marvel is a six issue run of, of the story in a book or whatever. Now it's, it's over whatever. It's like, Oh, it's still coming out. It's just fresher. You know what I mean? And I think that, like you said, will have a huge draw on, on comic fans. 100%. Um, like I said, this is a game changing move. This is absolutely in retaliation, whatever, to DC finally doing it coming up this January. Marvel already having the infrastructure in place, obviously a little bit easier to move that up to put three months worth of whatever books available that were already in the pipeline. We've done stories here over the last several months on the show of like books that got delayed for a variety of reasons that just would randomly pop up on the Marvel Unlimited service that aren't even out in print yet, or it had been like resolicited for months from now. Um, now I will say this as well. A friend of mine, I saw a tweet out. It's like, Hey, I'm a subscriber to this. This is great news for me. Now maybe they can work on filling up some of the holes that they have in other collections. Right. Oh boy. Like, it, like I didn't need to be tagged in that tweet. The cosmos tagged me in that tweet. That's right. Your Joe sense tingled when that tweet went out. So hopefully, you know, I I, I say put me in charge of the digital of any of these things. Mm -hmm. Figure out why there's holes in collections of stuff. If you have a run of something that just randomly is missing like one or two issues, there better be a really good reason why. As opposed to like, oh, I screwed up, you know. Yes. But that happens with any sort of digital service when you're taking something from one media that it's been in for ever to a new media forum that's only been around for however long any sort of streaming service, any sort of digital service like this is available. Things do fall through the cracks. I just think that you need to get people who are more diligent and care more like me. Right, right. And I'm looking forward to like I, those those people who are going to have like just a deluge of books when it goes from the six months to the three months. Yeah. Because imagine it's be like, oh, I'm reading all these books. Now, all of a sudden you're going to have if you read 20 titles, you're going to have 60 titles in one month because uh-huh. I because they're just going to jump to, you know, that extra three months. So maybe you should you should go to the comic shop and get your comics monthly, Joe. <laughs> Right. I think that's that's the thing for me. Like there's been many times where I've sat around and I thought about like I could just go and sell like my entire run of X, like whatever you want to say. Right. Mm-hmm. And then use that money for when that book goes on sale digitally. And then that takes up like that much less room in my collection. Right. Right. I, I don't see myself ever getting to that point. I don't think I ever could. I honestly, I think we've discussed this many times here and, you know, in private that if it came to the day that everything was digital, my major like comic reading days would be over. I wouldn't say that it would, my, my major comic reading days would be over. Everything is an adjustment. Everything is change and I hate change and I hate adjusting to change, but I like reading my comic books. I agree, but what I mean would it wouldn't be 
it would be like, all right, I'm going to still read Flash. Anything, you know, Jonah Hex comes out, maybe like Doctor Doom centric, but like to buy as much as I do now, I don't know. You know, yeah. I guess with like the unlimited and, and then stuff like that, it would maybe change things. But I don't know. I like Wednesday, day and date, Tuesday, depending on what company you're buying from. You go into the comic shop and you get your books, you know. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be a heart. Yeah, that's going to be the way I am. Right. So the other big game changing news, I think, uh, would be on the DC side is when DC over the summer decided on a Friday afternoon <laughs> that they were no longer going to be dealing with Diamond as their retailer, as they had done for the better part of the last 20 plus years. They announced that their distribution was going to be handled by two different companies. Uh, One, Lunar Distribution and UCS Comics Distribution. Uh, Lunar was already set up through uh, DCBS, Discount Comic Book Shop, an online, like, big boxy retailer out of the Midwest, Indiana to be specific. And UCS Distributors, which was the distribution arm of Midtown Comics that we discussed here. Uh, handled the mail order subscriptions for Marvel, actually, amongst other things. Right. You may be getting questions about that the next time you're in the shop. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to it. Right. Uh, So it was announced this week that DC will no longer be using UCS Midtown Comics as a distributor. Right. And they'll solely be going with Lunar slash DCBS um, as the distribution company. And... The retailers, and this goes into effect as of January 1st, and wouldn't you know who won the pony, the January solicitations uh, are going to be, like, ready to start in a week. Right, and then, like, that doesn't give retailers a lot of time to get on the ball to get ready. Like, they just had a scramble right after the pandemic, and they got to open again. Like, oh, we have to go to, we have to decide what company we're using. And some, like, you know, uh, some like The Last Crusade chose poorly because now they have to do it again, and you're in a scramble. And, like, I guess our retailer talked about it wasn't that bad the first time, but now you wonder like how the new guys would be like, Oh, you chose the other guy. You know what I mean? Like beforehand, now you're coming to us and it just makes me wonder how long before lunar maybe gets muscled out, not muscled out, but is it going to like, is DC working on their own distribution system that Warner brothers is going to own and we'll have to go or do you see them going back to diamond at some point? Like there are so many possibilities coming out of this. It makes my head absolutely spin because I'd love to see the Vegas odds. If they, I would, first of all, I would love to have Vegas have uh, betting odds on comic book stuff, but like, are we going to, is, is lunar going to stay? Is it going to be Warner brothers doing their own or back to diamond at some point? And I'm leaning as it goes on back to diamond at some point, because there's such a, like a monopoly. Well, I could see the one more thing that could push this out is that also with January 2021 doing the orders through uh, UCS, that retailers need to have a $500 minimum order as well. Yes, that is true. Uh, but any, I any think sh- if anything, that's going to be the sticking point. Yeah, but any shop worth there's like... Uh, Diamond had minimum orders. You know what I mean? 
But right, I, but Diamond had minimum orders for every publisher ever together. Right. They're rolling this out the month that they're doing a stunt event trying to make good oh, on their revamp of the line where retailers are already going to be ordering less of these books to begin with. Right. Um, I just look at it as luckily you'll have, you know, Batman Joker War uh, <laughs> trade paperbacks and hardcovers in sure. that month. Where it'll make it easy to get to 500 And I say this. If you're a comic shop and you're not buying $500 worth of DC Comics, your doors are going to be closing very, very soon. Well, devil's advocate, maybe they're selling enough of everything else. Well, then, you're buying that through Diamond, so you don't have to worry. That's true. So uh, a lot of a lot of changes that could also be game changing in many other ways. Um, so this is two big distribution changes at DC in less than six months mm-hmm. during a pandemic. Mm. I say one more might be the final straw. And what happens with the fi- after the final straw? Well, again, I think they go hat in hand back to Diamond. Okay, not create their own. Well, I think the third one's going to be them trying to create their own. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Right, right, right. So, you know what I mean? Like, the one... Stu- Pandemic or no, one sweeping change your distribution, I'll give you. Two in six months, okay. Maybe something's up. Mm-hmm. If we go to a third, I could see that one being the one that makes you go back to Diamond. And I think, as you mentioned, the third is going to be them attempting to do their own distribution. Right. And one more thing on this, Joe, it makes me think, because I'm like, you know, hearing through some of my sources, I put my detective comics hat on that. It was DC who dropped uh, UCS. Do you wonder if it was just like, because they're doing the mail order for Marvel that they weren't putting as much effort into like do working for DC and DC, like I'm hearing DC drop them. So it was like, you know, uh, I don't know, we'll take that money, but now it's a lot of work. And we we were in bed with Marvel before, so eh, like we like we don't give it our full attention to DC. Okay. So that's that's a great point. But one would assume that they, UCS, Midtown Comics already had whatever infrastructure in place to do the Marvel subscriptions. Mm-hmm. One could also think that the Marvel subscriptions don't make up a ton of what Marvel sells on any given book. Mm-hmm. I'd wager to say it's less than 15% of the sales on any book is done through mail order subscription to an individual. Okay. With that being said, was UCS taking on DC on top of whatever that frail infrastructure in place was? They're like, oh, well, we do, you know, Marvel's mail order and it's no problem it's a piece of cake we could easily take on DC that they thought like because we do this we could do that and they obviously couldn't right or as you said that maybe because Marvel was already in place and whatever the deal they had with Marvel was that Marvel took priority so the DC stuff fell by the wayside I'll conspiracy theory and say maybe Marvel put the screws to them and said (laughs) You know, hey, you have to make our things the priority. And by you doing this other company as a conflict of interest, 
Whereas on the flip side, DCBS did have two separate companies themselves, Discount Comic Book Service, as well as In Stock Trades, where they, it's more or less the same thing, but it's like two sides of the same coin where they were doing like this lower cut rate price to the individual. And maybe that was an easier switch to flip to go from everything to the individual as opposed to everything to the individual plus some comic shops. Right. A lot of moving parts, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens six months from now at DC. Right. I just want to read comics. That's. I just want to read my comics, man. You don't need to get them out a day earlier to entice me. Just get them out. Right. Uh, so this weekend, if you are not doing anything, and I say you, you the listener of this show, I know Todd would have been going to Baltimore Comic-Con this weekend. I totally would have been on the road to Baltimore. But we can all go to Baltimore Comic-Con this weekend because this weekend, much like uh, New York Comic-Con did, Baltimore is doing uh, a Baltimore Comic-Con live experience where they're going to be streaming a whole bunch of different events with a whole bunch of different creators. And it's the creators that talk and sing to, I would certainly say us, and I would also like to thank listeners of this show. Right. Um, you know, you've got a lot of new creators, but you've got a lot of, and I don't want to say old creators, but let's say classic creators. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you've, and then like you've got uh, stuff with Brian Michael Bendis, you've got stuff with, uh, Walter Simonson, Louise Simonson, uh, Tom King and Mitch Gerads are doing a bunch of stuff over the course of the weekend. Um, they're doing the uh, Ringo Awards as like a live like award show mm -hmm. over the whatever. They're doing a Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, like King and Black panel. So I could definitely see a lot of stuff getting announced this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, but I will also say a good chunk of these panels are hosted by John Suntress of the Word Balloon comic book podcast. John is a lifelong comic book fan. John is hilarious. John is awesome. And I would almost recommend checking out any and all panel that he's doing. Right. I wonder if he could get a curmudgeon to smile, Joe. Um, maybe... Maybe I'd like to meet the person who's setting up uh, Keith Giffen's, a.k.a. Salty Keith, Zoom. <laughs> right. Um, but that's the one I know that Todd had sent to me, that it's going to be uh, J.M. DeMattis, Kevin McGuire, and Keith Giffen doing a Justice League, er their era of Justice League uh, panel. And uh, it's only scheduled for an hour. But uh, I, I could see them having a lot more fun with it. That one. And so obviously I'm a fan. Todd's a much bigger fan. But when I saw that John Suntress was the one that was hosting it, I'm like, ooh, John Suntress. And I saw that he was doing a bunch of this stuff. And I'm glad that John is getting a lot of this sort of work. John has been doing these sort of things kind of independently on his own. Um, mm -hmm. He just streams them on Facebook. I'm trying to think what the program or app that he uses i think it's called like streamable okay maybe i'm not 100 percent sure um give me one second here while we're talking no, uh, mainly because 
it's something that John is able to do where he does this streamable thing and it kind of streams live on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, and like all these other platforms at the same time. Right. Um, but like I said, you said I'm I'm actually looking forward to that. Now that you told me that, like somebody who actually you know is fu- funny and knows what they're doing, oh, yeah. is gonna is gonna be like you know emceeing it or whatever you want to call it. I'm looking forward to it. It makes me look back to like our first ever road trip how many years ago to Baltimore. Because they announced the Justice League International panel all the way back. I yep. think Asa even went to that con. Kinda, no, April was still pregnant with Asa. So that's right. how that's long ago said. it was. If you remember, the Baltimore Comic Con used to be like September-ish. Right. That's why I said kind of, sort of went to that yeah. con. Oh, okay. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Right. And all I'll remember about that trip is I remember being driving with you. One, that do I snore? And because I would get coat hangered by That's uh, true. by your wife, and she would wake me up, you know, in the night to 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 shake me, so I would stop snoring, and then I would go back to sleep and start snoring. I also remember you asked me before it happened. You go, just so you know, are you okay with us stopping for you know bathroom breaks every once in a while? I'm fine. So I I, I remember that, and uh, it was it it was a it was a fun trip. So I I, I constantly remember going just for that and having a good mm-hmm. time. So yeah, I was just trying to find where John's thing was. I wanted to make sure that I had the name of it correctly, but I don't, unfortunately. And it's bugging me. You know how I get. Right. And I also remember on the trip that you forgot something, your pliers, because there was something wrong with your battery hookup. And every yes. time we'd stop to start it back up, sometimes you'd have to fiddle with things. Am I remembering that correctly, Joe? You are, yes. Oh, fantastic. Good times, Joe. Uh, but like I said, so John, I see, is doing a bunch of stuff for a bunch of different conventions uh, here over the next couple months. Um, there's Baltimore's thing. Like I said, I'm trying to find whatever it is. But like I said, not only is John a good host for these sort of things, but he also has it set up that he knows how to, like, stream these sort of events. Right. Because he's been doing them with a variety of different creators over the last, like, three or four months. Right. But he's never encountered someone like Salty Keith, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure he's encountered Salty Keith, but not... In this uh, this facet of his life. Right. But like I said, we'll have the, the link to that so you can check that out, of course, in the show notes. Uh, along with stuff for our friend Becky's Instagram, who does a bunch of original art for Comics on the Green, our local comic book shop. Where Todd and I shop, and you should shop as well. Whether you're looking for back orders, or whether you're looking for a subscription service for the new books. Because waiting three months digitally still isn't quick enough for you, and I don't blame you. Uh, but also, soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. All the shows in our network, any of the people that are on those shows appear on other shows, and they let me know, they will all appear at soon to be named network.com. No podcatcher does for you what I do for you. 
Right. Because I care about you, the listener of the show, that much. <laughs> uh, also in the show notes, of course, is uh, digital books and sales. Uh, tons of freebies available still. A ton of sales this week. Uh, Dynamite's sale on superhero-related stuff is still going on. Image's sale on Top Cow-related stuff is still going on. Marvel has not one, not two, but three different sales going on currently. Spider-Woman stuff, Excalibur stuff, Greg Pak Hulk stuff is all on sale. DC in a rare sale where Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One are not included because they did not cross over with Bill Willingham's fables. Okay. So obviously it can't be in there. Right. Uh, Terry Moore Abstract Studios, Rachel Rising is on sale. Uh, Image is having just a generic graphic novel sale. Hey, stuff like Saga is included in that. Stuff like uh, Criminal is included in that. All of your favorites. Uh, Southern Bastards all have stuff that would probably be in there. And now it's official at this point. IDW, Image, Valiant, and Dark Horse all have sales going on on their horror-related stuff as we grow closer and closer to Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? I would like to start with Rorschach number one, written by Tom King, uh, drawn by Jorge Fornes. Um, obviously a Watchmen, you know, spinoff. Uh, it takes place in our time now, not in the 80s where Watchmen took place. And during a rally for someone uh, running as pre- for president up against President Redford, um, there is an attempt on that guy's life, but it's stopped by two people dressed like Rorschach and somebody, a female in like a cowboy outfit. And then the rest of the book is the, 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 the cop trying to figure out what this was all about because they don't, they don't, they want to look into the assassination attempt. And mostly it's a murder mystery about the people who were, doing the assassination attempt and more and more who is behind the Rorschach mask. And the one thing that intrigued me the most, uh, was that, uh, they mentioned stuff about the Rorschach mask that it was popular because of what happened in Oklahoma. So that was the HBO Watchmen series. So this is spinning, looks like is spinning off from there. Uh, Again, like it's in all of it. The Watchmen comic happened and the TV show happened and now this. And uh, who or may not be behind the mask. Uh, it's it's all very interesting. Obviously, you know, this is only the first issue, but it lays the groundwork. I hope it's not stretched out like we felt Doomsday Clock was. But uh, would I say it's Watchmen? No, you know what I mean? But it was a very interesting first is- issue. And just on the fact that I love that Watchmen TV show, this gets like a bunch of issues to like to make it all happen. So I, while I like this, didn't love it, and mm-hmm. I think it's because I didn't watch the Watchmen HBO series, right? Because we have everything now involved. Like the Watchmen twelve issue series from nineteen eighty six was all we had for the longest time. The miniseries is, is, you know, before Watchmen, I guess, kind of sort of happened. Nobody acknowledges them, but they're still part of the canon. Right. They'll sell those hardcovers, but they don't acknowledge. Right. 
uh, Doomsday Clock happened, and then the TV show happened. So now there's so much Watchmen-related stuff to pull from, mm-hmm. where I think it's a detriment that makes every Watchmen thing that you do from here on out less special, so it has to be really, really good. And they're never going to do another cash grab after this again, so hopefully... <sighs> This will be really good. No, I get you. And I just wait for it because like everything else, like uh, the the Batman White Knight stuff, because that's sold, you know, they're, they're having spinoffs, creating their own universe for all that. I don't see the Watchmen stuff stopping because at this point, the rift between them and Alan Moore is, you know, never going to be healed. So it's just like, let's just make money off this. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I really right. Alan Moore is going to be mad whether we're making money off it or not. So <laughs> let's make money. Exactly. But I look at it slightly different in that you don't need the before Watchmen stuff. You don't need the Doomsday Clock stuff. You don't even need like I just mean you don't need the Watchmen stuff from the HBO. It's just acknowledged. And I was I'm wondering if even if I didn't tell you, you would have even noticed. You know what I mean? So I look at it as it's just Watchmen, the TV show, and this. And that's less convoluted. It's not not X-Men yet. (laughs) You know what I mean? So No, um, no. And see, that's the thing. I I think at least with X-Men, there's such a wide berth of stuff out there for you to pull stuff from. mm -hmm. Whereas with Watchmen, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger for you to pull from. Right. Where it just used to be these 12 issues for you to pull from. Right. And, and I am it. Oh, go ahead. No, that's it. I would say, and I am intrigued by the ending of who may be behind the mask of right. Russia. That, you know I mean? Right. Obviously, I don't want to spoil that. That was strong enough that I, that that's what's bringing me back. Right. So. And it looked beautiful, too, so. Oh, yeah. The art was great. Uh, fantastic. A plus. Yep. Uh, so the book I was most looking forward to coming out this week, uh, Immortal Hulk number 38, written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett. Um, the continuation of the leader's plot, Mm -hmm. a little bit more explanation of to how those green doors work. Um, how stressful it can be to try to go through more than one door at any one given time. Mm-hmm. And the one person who can save us all is maybe the least likeliest Hulk of them all. <laughs> right. Um, so I will say this. Um, you know, I, I do my list uh, in a way that makes people's heads spin and made Todd say, like, no, I'll just go and risk getting sick than doing things the way that Joe does them. <laughs> right. So on Tuesday, after I send the email to Todd of our show notes, and then I eagerly await his email response so I could, like, finish the poll post, I go and I check um, what the variant covers and stuff are, right? So I can see, like, oh, is there a Scotty Young cover? Because I like Scotty Young stuff. Is there this guy's cover? If there's two covers of something, let me look at the covers to see if there's one that I like more than the other. And then I saw for, for Hulk, because usually it's like the, the Alex Ross covers, which are like, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, oh, here's the one that ties into 
a video game, or here's the one where we're doing a Morbius variant cover for some reason, right? Right. But then this one had a spoiler cover. <laughs> but it was done by Joe Bennett. I'm like, I want that spoiler cover. Uh, so I did my best not to look at the cover of my comic book <laughs> while I was reading my comic book, if that makes any sense. Yep, you're like, uh, retailer, could you put it in the bag backwards? Well, and that's the thing. Like, when you went to any of the sites last week, it was just like a black cover with the Hulk logo on it, you know? Right, but I mean, like, yeah, put it in my in a bag and board, not a backer, and make sure the back cover's showing. So when I slide it out, I can open it with my eyes closed. Right, so I'll, I'll you know, we'll tiptoe around it. I, I think I did a good enough talk up on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like this issue. You know, it, it kind of finally started to explain whatever sort of ambiguity or whatever sort of weirdness there was to these green doors that have been here since like issue one. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of getting a better idea of how they all work from the leader, the smartest character, I guess, to be gamma irradiated. Um, you know, w- one would say maybe smarter than banner. I don't know where Samuel Stearns falls on the list of the smartest people in the Marvel universe. Mem- yeah. Remember when they had the list? I missed the list. Right. But, uh, but I like this. Like I said, I, I, I can't get too far into it, but I like the fact that our unlikely Hulk has been with Bruce since the very beginning. Right. Um, I also love this issue. I think this is one of the more, ex- like, accessible, like, not, like, heady issues of Immortal Hulk. It's like that we're getting down and dirty and we're, we're, we're learning stuff. The art is absolutely gorgeous when there's like a, a, a vivisection teleportation scene. And I was like, yep, this is why I love, you know, when, when Joe's drawing the book because it's fantastic. And on top of that, the part that I really love the most about it is how, like the way uh, Al Ewing wrote uh, how the uh, leader is trying to con- like – to be his mind in several places at once and how like things seeping in where he's in uh, Rick Jones are seeping into him in the, in where the green doors are. And he's talking to like doc Sampson. It's like, all right, everybody has to give me a minute because it's really tough to keep everything straight. And, and it was, it, it was for the leader, but not for us. Like that could have been so convoluted and, and, and confusing, but I, I always, he always made it. So I knew who the leader was responding to in any scene that he yes. was talking, whether he was talking to the person in front of him or the, the he, in the other body that he was in. I'm like, okay, he's talking to the doctor or he's talking to, you know, uh, banner. It, it just, it made total sense. And it was confusing at the same time. It was really done well. Right. And uh, if there was ever a book that's worth your whatever subscription it is or whatever it goes up for sale digitally or whatever it is, you know, we've talked about it now here for however long this book has been going on for, you know, two years, coming up on three years almost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the best books published in the last five years, like hands down. You know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, you cannot go wrong with this book. And Todd said it's accessible uh, with this issue, 
but you're doing yourself and the creators a disservice by not going back to issue one and starting from there. You are rewarding yourself by reading a fantastic book. I totally agree. And I'd like to say that I was a bit offended when you said like, oh, it has an Alex Ross cover. You know, that's what it is. And I'm like, no, no, those Alex Ross covers are gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And those are my one go-to, like, that's another part of this book that that we honestly don't give enough credit to as far as I'm concerned. The Alex Ross cover to these Immortal Hulk books. He's been, he's done one, I think, for every issue. Yes. Not the, not the, spinoffs or the singular issues but every issue and every issue i'm like alex ross please alex ross even if it's joe bennett i'm like alex ross please because that's the way i think of this book al ewing on writing duties uh joe bennett on art duties and alex ross on cover duties and it's that's what makes a great book a great book when you have that kind of stability for the most part other than the tragedy in the artist's life for a while i totally get it not gonna but when you can have a a long-running book with a fixed cover artist, a fixed writer, and a fixed artist, it makes everything all better, especially when they're all amazing, as far as I'm concerned. Not to take anything away from Alex Ross, the covers are nice, but I don't know. Uh, I don't have the same affinity. Maybe it's because, in my heart of hearts, Alex Ross is a DC guy, not a Marvel guy. I think it comes down to me, obviously, I when he was a DC guy, I thought his DC covers were very, very bland. And I and I always go back to this story. Um, I always thought his covers, especially on the covers of JSA, when Jeff Johns was doing them, it was all like, here's my cover of Our Man standing in a heroic pose. Here's my cover of Jay Garrick in a heroic pose. And they were just very stiff and, and terrible. And then he, I remember him saying, I was getting the shadow comics from dynamite and he was doing the covers and i was like what's with these covers and he did an interview where he's like you know what i i felt a lot of my work was stagnant and i decided to study jack kirby now i'm not a huge jack kirby fan when it comes to like his art style because you know i think it's dated blocky whatever that's neither here nor there but he studied the layouts and the looks and like all this stuff and his shadow covers are amazing and you could see it he's like these overhead shots with floodlights and doing stuff he studied jack and like after that i'm an i'm an alex ross guy even though most of the stuff after that wasn't dc comics so i get where you say he's a dc guy but i just look at him like completely different after that that era. So, I get Alex you. Ross. Alex Ross for the win. All right. So uh, last but not least is a Todd pick, and that is Flash 763 with the new creative team on here, uh, written by Kevin Shinnick and art by Clayton Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, this is obviously a new creative team. The story revolves around Flash or B- Barry out with Iris, and he loses the Flash ring that he keeps the costume in. And we end up getting kind of the origin story of the ring, which I think um, is one of the weakest parts of this book that uh, Kevin Shinnick kind of telegraphs what the ring is all about a mile away. But that's not the part that I really like. The part that I really like is that he does kind of get the rogues a bit. I like the idea of the whole plan of the trickster in this, in that he's like, I'm going to make money off of, you know, doing, you know, people betting on you because you're, you know, saving people and blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to have people bet on the flash and 
it's like perfect because it's not like you know murderous it to me the heart of what the rogues are of the book is they're not treacherous they're just we all want to make a lot of money and they've changed that over the course of the years they've gotten darker or whatever but this was a light fun roguey feel to this book i think roguey's a word but you know i I, i'll I'll go with it i don't know i liked the likeness of what a flash book should be because he had a deal with them all he's like listen you guys don't murder anybody and i won't take you to arkham i'll take you to iron heights that's our deal and they the rogues kind of stuck with it and they had a code and i feel we're back to that in one issue and i was i did kind of like the origin of the ring but even though it was very you know telegraphed but i really enjoyed this issue i don't think it's the greatest flash issue i've ever read but it gives me hope for this creative team on the flash book so i'll i'll say this um regarding what you said i think after whatever the josh williamson run was Mm -hmm. you needed kind of a very basic very light-hearted very straightforward issue Mm mm-hmm to kind of get people back into whatever the flash is, you know? Right. Um, it's not some sort of big, um, like it's not the beginning of like some sort of like big, like, uh, epic. It's just like literally outside of like the last three pages, it could have just been like a one-off. Right. And And I liked it. I thought it was a good narrative story. It's like, here's the Flash's interactions with this. It was very modern-ish because essentially the trickster started like a Dave and Buster's type thing, but with like a superhero (laughs) slant. Right. Uh, I could nitpick it a little bit because the trickster seems to go from like six different scams that he's trying to pull on the Flash (laughs) within like two pages. Right. Um, And the Flash like falls for them all and... Obviously, you could play it up that the Flash is distracted because the ring is missing and it means that much to him. Okay, I get you. But I like this. I thought this was a really fun issue. And the art was amazing. Yes, it was. Uh, Clayton Henry, the artist on this, like very expressive faces, very big panels, very big close-up shots Mm -hmm. of stuff. And I thought that brought a, a lot of excitement to what was going on. I think he brings a lot of energy to a book that's it's the flash is tough to do in that he's moves at super speed in a book that there's still pictures and he does a good job of like, well, here's an upshot from the shot of like Barry's the sole of his boot. And it makes him look like he's rushing away from you very fast. Cause everything's forced perspective. I, I totally agree with you. And I like the fact, like you said, until you get to those last three pages and it almost feels like an old timey comic that we used to read when we were youngins, Joe, where it's like, here's the main story and an epilogue. What's that all about? We don't have those anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm with you. I had a fun time on this book and I'm looking forward to after having fun for over a hundred issues of flash with Joshua Williams, which was different that, uh, I, I look forward to this because you're right. This is almost like a palate cleanser, a sorbet of like, here's just one issue. This is what my book hopefully will feel like. Try it and you can, you know, you don't have to keep going if you don't like it, but here's one complete story for you to try. Yay, Flash. Uh, and I'll just I'll just throw this one out here as well um, regarding this. Uh, I will reference... Maybe something that I write on the website twice a week mm-hmm. um, where someone may have said part of what difference 
uh, differentiates uh, his art style and art style from the 90s and so forth is uh, something called the two-inch style. Mm-hmm. That no one will draw anything bigger than two inches. Like a head will be no more than two inches. and An arm or a body or whatever it is. And in this book, I think a lot of that excitement comes from Clayton Henry playing with the size of stuff. Like there's that part where the Flash runs. And you just see him run across like the entirety of the Earth. And he's just like this little tiny speck. Right. And he says, in this amount of time, I ran this quickly, but then I had to keep running this amount of time to find somewhere safe to stop. Mm-hmm. And that's like the whole across the top two panel thing. And mm-hmm. like you get like the scope of the earth and the size of the flash and something like that. And then, like I said, all those huge close ups of like big expressive faces. And that's just not something that you see a lot in comics or like maybe, you know, you're seeing a lot more. But this was just so noticeable, maybe because it was just so fresh in my head from hearing about it recently, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the only nitpick that I would have about this book after we did it so is, man, I just miss the like clean, smooth flash costume mm-hmm. without like 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 little doodads and details on it. I'm just a sucker for that, but I guess I'll have to get you. I still, I'm still not used to um, him having like, like, like racing stripes and spots on his body. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll just throw this out here because we were talking about it before, and we talk about it there, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Of course, when it comes up with uh, Todd's art attack, I went, I checked Clayton Henry's Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, and he is doing a bunch of stuff. Um, for Future Slate, specifically, he's doing the Green Lantern book. And he has a lot of his process, like doing the blue ink lines to start, and then the heavy, like the blue lines for the pencil, oh. and the heavier ink lines, and then different coloring stuff. So he'll put like four pictures up just to show like the evolution of the process of something that he's doing, or he'll do like a gif of something to show what he's doing. Um, yeah. So let me ask you a question because this interests me now to tell yeah. you the truth. Um, so he, cause I don't know, because I, I get afraid to go looking for this stuff because yeah. then it takes money out of my pocket. Yeah. He's doing physical art then not digital. Um, it, so, okay. So it looks like it's digital, right? Mm-hmm. But then he is doing other stuff with like pencil and paper. Okay, maybe he's doing like prelims and stuff like that. You never know. Yeah, I'll yeah. have to look, but because I always like it's like, oh, when I like an artist, I'm like, oh, do I want to look into this guy? Because if I do, it may send me down a rabbit hole that I might have to be asking Joe for advances on my click through money. <laughs> but that's interesting. I'll have to look at his Twitter to get an idea of what he's doing. So, yeah. And, and again, he has a Gumroad page, which is something that a lot of creators do. Mm hmm. Um, and he does have pages and original art, not a ton, but like when you see his Twitter and it's like, oh, here's my process for Guy Gardner for the thing, <gasps> you know, and it's Guy Gardner wearing a Warriors t-shirt. And I'm just like, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> now the enabler has become the enablee. <laughs> That's that right. First. Yeah. Um, do you have any like spots to read? Because I have to look some stuff up while we're talking. <laughs> 
Well, again, I do have the, uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in uh, uh, print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them in trade, whether you've changed your entire life because Marvel has moved their digital schedule up by three months, before Warn and before Arm know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead with one correct guess. He has less books coming out this or that he's getting this week than I am. Luckily, I did get some time to catch up on stuff. But again, it's just a few deck chairs off the Titanic. <laughs> now, I'm looking at your list and I have to ask you, um, obviously, Absolute Swamp Thing, not new material. Uh, we don't count that. But I saw you tweeting pictures of that. Yes, um, it, it is a very nice collection. All the absolutes are wonderful. Um, uh, you know, it, it still has the moss like cover on the, the book when you take like feel when you take it out of the slipcase. But if you look at both uh, things, because I retweeted the volume one and someone uh, kind of acknowledged what the problem is. That it's only small, but it, it bothers me. You know the way like ending trades when they don't ha they don't complete them bother you, or the second features they never you know trade those. Um, the first book has a trade dress. Volume one has a vertigo trade dress, while the second book has a black label trade dress. And you don't do that with hundred dollar hardcovers <laughs> when someone's buying the three that are going to come out. And to play even dirtier pool, um, somebody I know got volume two the same way I did this week, but they didn't have one. So this week, uh, they also re-released an absolute cover, uh, volume one with the new black label uh, trade dress, Joe, which I think is real dirty pool. So now that means you have to go get volume one with the black label trade dress. Which I'm thinking about doing because... Volume three, which will cover all of Alan Moore's stuff, is good. Unless, like we talked about in a year or so, when the anniversary of Vertigo's back, unless they go back to Vertigo, on, which is not out of the realm of possibility, Joe. But that kind of stuff just makes me mad. It's like, why didn't, wh like, why would you do that? You know what I mean? Like, you couldn't have waited until you started one and ended one, you know? Nope. Nope. So I don't know if that fries your ham, but it fries my ham, Joe. <laughs> um, now that I'm aware of it, I feel for you. You have my deepest sympathies. Right. But looking at it, if you actually look at the pictures, it's not that bad because like it's small and they're all in green. And I don't know if I'm actually going to do it because it's like, you know, a hundred bucks for, a but it's just that I know that it's there. You know, and that kind of is what bothers me. So we'll see. Is it see. on the spine or is it on the cover? Or it's on the cover and the spine, I believe. I don't have uh, the spine. I was going to say, because if it was just on the, if it wasn't on the spine, then I think you put it on a bookshelf and you'll be okay. Right. I cannot reach it where I'm at. So I don't want to get up and take, cause I don't want to be like you getting up and wandering around without your headphones in the middle of the show sometimes. So <laughs> I, I look, but uh, I'm going to, I'll let you know, you know what I mean? I'll take a picture of the spine, which like you said, will be what's showing when I put it on a bookshelf. So true. 
And I probably, I even talked, I was talking with the bassist. He's like, do you read these? I'm like, no, because I have like the issues in the trades. These are the nice copies that look nice on the shelf. So if it doesn't show, then hopefully it'll just, it'll just stay as is, if you know what I mean. Right. That being said, I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn Number 1. It is not. Ooh, baby. All right. Because it's not Sean Murphy actually writing this book. It's in, he's like the overseer. Gotcha. Um, so it is Batman 101 to see the fallout because they're like, Gotham has changed. I want to see if they manage to like salvage the less than climactic ending to Batman 100, if that makes any sense. Yes. It does make sense. So I'm looking over your list. And you, like you said, you have more issues than me. Um, is it also Batman 101? Let's say yes. Oh, okay. I'll, let's say yes. Um, I was between that and something else, but I have a feeling we'll talk about something else. Uh, so Batman 101 it is. Okay. I may have to ask you off mic what that was all about. So mm-hmm. I, pu- I, I pulled a you. You did pull a me. I like when you pick what I'm looking forward to most, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For me and any, you know. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done over the years. Whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. You can also check out our store where you can find shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on it. And like the little line of like links and stuff there. Uh, where is it in the middle? It says like, uh, you know, me, I need to fix that LFC thing there. That's disgusting. Todd's Art Attack Store, <laughs> After Dark, etc., etc., etc. I gotta refix all that here. Um, but if you click on our store, it'll take you to our T Public store as well, where you can get even more designs and even more things than just shirts. Everything from cell phone covers to tablets to fleece throws to wall tapestries. And uh, this week, uh, Thursday and Friday only, everything is 30% off through the store. So definitely check that sort of thing out. Uh, you could also sign up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get two bonus shows uh, from Todd and I. One, reviewing the films of Mel Brooks, which we're getting toward the end of. So we've got to figure out like what's going to fit that slot for 2021. And then previewing the past, where we look at that month's previews catalog 30 years ago. Uh, kind of looking at the state of the comic book industry. And uh, we're getting to the... We're getting to the bubble, Todd. Okay. Somebody's blowing things up. Uh-oh. It's not there yet, but I, I feel it's coming. Maybe, like, we're still a couple months away, but it's still right on the horizon. I can see the bubble rising. The cusp, like you said. Yes. Uh, but again, if you don't need any extra podcasts in your life, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through at the top of the page, over at logboxheroes.com. Does not charge you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Prime yes. Day was last week, and it was actually two days. Um, a lot of purchases came through on the Amazon click-through this past week. Uh, somebody signed up for Prime Video Channels trial, and I would be remiss not to mention uh Amazon has all these different things uh, that you could sign up for trial services, whether it be like the Kindle service, the Prime Video. They have some sort of thing with Twitch now as well. Uh, Even if you sign up 
through our link and cancel the next day, we get what's called a bounty, which is like a little heftier of a kickback. So it's like literally no money out of your pocket. You sign up for the thing, you cancel the thing, we get money. I feel like Sean Payton putting bounties out on people. I don't know who Sean Payton is. He's a coach. He was a coach. He is a coach for uh, the New Orleans Saints, and they had a thing. He got he got suspended for a while because he had a bounty. Like, oh, if you go get this guy, you know, you get a hundred bucks or something. And it was Bounty Gate in, in, in NFL. I know you're a big fan, so that's why I had no idea what you're talking about. No, I know. Uh, somebody purchased not one but two fifty dollar e gift cards. And that's quite the opportunity, if I do say so myself. I hope you use those gift cards to then buy something else through the Amazon click-through. Because that's, uh, you know, it's quite an opportunity for all parties. I agree. Uh, Somebody purchased a fancy water pick, and we actually just got one at the house. I refuse to use it. Me too. I don't want it squirt into my hurt tooth. Listen, you you have me flossing with actual floss. Now I have to, like, shoot six, 660 pounds of pressure of water into my mouth. No, thank you. The teeth will just blow out of your face. Exactly. <laughs> uh, somebody purchased the Lego Friends Advent Calendar. I don't know if you've ever seen the Lego Friends. You know what a Lego minifigure looks like? I believe I've had one described to me before, Joe. So the Lego Friends ones are like ones that kind of look more like dolls. They're maybe like a head taller than an actual minifigure. Mm-hmm. But they look like actual dolls. Like you could dress them up with Lego stuff. They're very okay. straight. But it's an advent calendar for the upcoming holidays focused around the Lego friends. Right. Uh, somebody purchased a BCW uh, magazine store folio storage box. I have one of those for like comics. A couple uh-huh. of those for com- I love those things. We ended up getting those. Remember when they sent us some stuff? Yes. I use that all the time to lend people stuff. Uh, I need to pick up more. I'm a big fan of the the, the store folios. Yes. Uh, somebody also purchased the Heir to the Jedi Star Wars Kindle Edition, you know, book or whatever. This one has a reasonable facsimile of Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker on it. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, during the time of the good Star Wars stuff. It's not old, sad, Luke? No. Uh, somebody purchased the Minecraft Builders and Biomes board game. Uh, purchaser of that one, let me know how that is. That's on the, that's penciled in on my kid's Christmas list. I need an idea of how that is. What if he hears it listening to this podcast? Uh, he won't. Nobody listens. No, my, nobody in this house listens to this podcast. That's my right. wife attempted to do so once. That was her mistake. Exactly. Uh, somebody purchased the Funko Pop Moments Star Wars of the Mandalorian and child bobblehead, like, diorama thing. I don't know, it's mm-hmm. very dis- it's very odd. I don't get it. He's probably going to win the science fair with those. Sure. Diorama-rama. <laughs> That's right. Uh, somebody also purchased the Crew Quest for Planet Nine card game. Somebody purchased a Disney Gargoyles officially licensed adult tank top. Somebody also purchased Star Wars Squadron game for their PC. Somebody also purchased a uh, kid's fire hd8 tablet which was the kit the tablet that my kid had uh and really enjoyed it somebody also purchased an hp pavilion 14 inch two-in-one laptop through the uh amazon click through so like i said a big week thank you to all the listeners who have purchased things this week last week or ever 
That's right. You're feed my addiction. Thank That's you. That's right. Maybe if you purchase enough stuff, Todd will earmark the things that he uh, – you could choose Todd's art. Like if you purchase like a leather sectional or something. There you go. Did I ever tell you about that many moons ago? I may no. have if I brought it up on this. So uh, it's still prevalent today, but at the height of it where there were people involved in the world of sports and or entertainment. <laughs> God. They would have uh, an Amazon list, an Amazon wish list. Right. And it'd be like, oh, hey, buy me this thing. And I'll maybe send you something nice as a thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes there'd be people who focused a lot on like, I like a lot of gum or I like these like protein powder things or like, hey, I'm going overseas. I need you to buy my entire luggage set for me, you know? Right. So as a rib, I did a Leonard F. Jakarson <laughs> Amazon wish list. Right. And it was, I think the least expensive thing on there was five grand. <laughs> right. It was like leather sectionals. It was like, you know, it was like replacement engine parts. It was like full standing arcade machines. It was just like the most nonsensical things that I could find. And I'm just like, hey, you know, if you buy me something off my wish list, I might send you like a pair of my socks or something. I always... <laughs> I always said that if I, uh, I, you know, like, cause you used to talk about gay, uh, ring worn merch. You know what I mean? I remember I used to always say back in the day, I'm, I'm starting an Amazon wish list, And if you buy me something, I'll send you socks that I wore while recording a show. <laughs> oh, we could bring that back. That's all I'm saying. So Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have an art attack this week from Rebecca's art. They uh, just some centaur stuff by Rebecca. And it's like, you know, in her sketchbook, uh, some a centaur combing its hair in a nice lagoon with someone watching her. Um, very nice. It reminds me, like we talked about this before, like the Bashki style of like look of stuff is yes. once again very strong in this, especially since it had it's a centaur. And it makes me think that would fit perfectly in like the Tolkien you know, verse of like Lord of the Rings. So I, I can't unsee that now that you mentioned it. And there's another one. Uh, you see a little battle damage on the centaur. Uh, you see the heavier ink lines in what would be the foreground and the lighter ink as you go to the further background. I also like the juxtaposition of the fairy or whatever it is that's in the antlers. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you look at that, if you give it a quick glance, that could just be a thing in the background with perspective. But obviously, upon closer inspection, you're right. You see it as sitting in the antlers, and it's a that, small creature as opposed to something in the distance. I agree, and I also thought I because you know I just think that women love their pockets in outfits. I didn't think that was battle damage. I thought that was centaur pockets. Oh, oh, oh. No, I'm kidding. I knew it was battle damage, <laughs> but I just like the idea of centaur pockets, Joe. It's where they Maybe keep not. dollars and centaurs. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. So I think that's the end of the main part of the show. Uh, I think so, too. Uh, we're going to take a break. If you haven't watched the first episode of Hellstrom on Hulu, 
Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, so if you're leaving us, we bid you adieu. Thanks for checking us out. Episode 525 of Longbox Heroes. And I'm going to take a drink of water here. Right. And I just want you to know, every time you do that bit when we before we go into the shows and you go, I bid you adieu, in my head I always go, I bid you two do's. So, just so you know. All right. I thought you were going to make some sort of Gary Gnu reference or something. No, that's good Gnu's with Gary Gnu. Right. Okay. Uh, so, Hellstrom, number one. Episode <laughs> one. Season one, episode one. Right. So, I have little ties to this character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know nothing of his backstory, so this, you know, can very easily act as not a comic book related thing for me. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you do. Now, where does this fall into, um, I guess, your feelings on the comic book series that you hoped it would somehow be tied to? Right. Well, I mean, I when I read the Warren Ellis run, it like they had already established his origin like years before in the 70s. But this sticks kind of close to it of being, you know, uh, a brother and sister who who are, you know, uh, uh, siblings from now in this, it's a mass murderer. But I believe that that's a bait and switch for the real thing that like, I don't want to give too much away. I think I might've done it last week when we talked about it, but um, I think that's going to be something different um, where uh, Hale, uh, Damien did. He was, they were separated when they were younger and he was raised by not that nun and everything. So it's very close to the backstory, but uh, this seems to just be a variation of that. And I don't know what I expected because it's been a long time since I, I read the Warren Ellis. Um, but it stayed kind of close to it, but I don't know much about Anna who they changed her name because her name was Satana. I think oh, Anna little, is just gonna, more on the nose there. Huh? Right. I think, yeah. Cause it was Damien and Satana. Um, who's the characters popped up. You've probably read her you know, a bunch of times and just never realized it. But, you know, I don't think they were going to get away with, you know, Hulu, you know, having a character named Satana. Mm. But, so, yeah, that's like, I, I don't, I didn't know what to expect. And I'm still trying to let this, you know, let it breathe so I can figure it out. It's only the first episode. Okay. So that's a great point. You mentioned this is the first episode, right? Mm-hmm. I feel as though, they packed too much into this first episode. You have three huge storylines going on all kind of concurrently with each other, mm-hmm. where I think you could have maybe played some stuff out a little bit more, where I think if you just focused on Damon himself, uh, the scene where he goes to the kid who's pretending to be possessed, right? Mm-hmm. And then you spin a little bit more out of that where there's the, not the nun who raised him, but the other nun who goes along for the ride that he kind of gives the short shrift to, right? Right, Gabrielle, I think, which is looking to replace the nun who raised him. Right. Because she's she's, using him as, like, I need a replacement because it looks like she's sick. So that's the thing. So she now 
is like, I don't like the way he treats me. I don't know what he did in there. You're keeping too many secrets from me. Here's why we're keeping these secrets from you. And then you get the nun who raised him where she coughs up that little bit of blood, right? Mm -hmm. I think that would have been enough for a first episode. But on top of that, you get all the stuff with Anna, with her luring the guy with the art auction. And then, like, they're back and forth, which is, like, so cloying and so, like, between the lines sort of thing. Where she just, like, kills the guy and there's you know, throws him off the top of a roof and there's, like, no repercussions and no, like, mm-hmm. investigation and no news story or no anything else like that. And then we get the whole thing of her investigating what the people who broke out of the mental institution. They went and they found that casket thing. It's like, well, why were you two people chosen? And then what the casket does to the guy. And they kind of, like, walk this tightrope. And I-, I know that you want to establish some stuff of where the show is going. I just felt as though... It was giving us too much here in this first episode for me to really sink my teeth into any one aspect of what this show is going to be. I, I get what you're saying. I think it was almost like 60-40 Damien's story mm-hmm. and then 40% Anna's story. And in it, it should have been like uh, like 80% Damien's story. You get a you get a, a hint, a taste of his sister, Anna. And then in the next episode, we get her dealing. You know what I mean? Right. And, Listen, and while it, all this is going on, sprinkled in the 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 villains, obviously. The, yeah. the, the, the escapees who are letting loose this whatever. And it would go much better. Because, yes, you're like, this is all too much on top. And in that, I only really like the opening scene, which yep. I did not like. Until I was halfway through it because I thought I was like, oh, my God, you're hitting every cliche in the book. Like this this television show is terrible because it's like you're just stealing from the exorcist. You're stealing from this. You're stealing from that. And he gets upstairs and the when it when he turns it on its head, I'm like, okay, it's all meant to be an act. It's all meant to be fake. And I was like, this is really good. Then in the middle, there's some good parts. And then we don't get anything truly scary from a horror TV show until Ga- uh, the Gabriella goes into the, the Damien's mother's cell, and she's like, "Oh, you foolish, you foolish mortal, you!" And I'm like, I kind of got goosebumps from that because the 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 possessed mother started to shine, and then when we get all the information about Damien's backstory and his father, and we get to what they released in the at the truck stop and everything, I'm like. That last five minutes is really good, too. But there's a lot of meandering around in the middle. Right. And and again, I hate to say that it's meandering, but because they're trying to pile so much up, it's tough. It's like I said, it's tough for anything really to, like, get its feet. Right. You need a scorecard almost. They're throwing so much. And you shouldn't need a scorecard in an unknown property in the first episode. Mm-hmm. You, you have to take into consideration very few people know who this character is. So let's not muddy the issue by adding like six elements on top of an unknown character. I know I, that's going to supposed to make his background mysterious, rich and deep, but more so it's going to be just like, okay, I'm now who's this guy? Why is this guy here? Where did this guy come from? Okay. Now this person's back. And then you're opening up th- plot threads that just feel like, there's no way that this is going to be important in episode two. This is something that you're laying the groundwork in episode one. That's going to come back at the end of like episode nine. 
Right. I, I agree. Um, but I do like the fact that Roxon shows up. Okay. They had a but sign for that. I do believe there would have been a like cloak and dagger crossed over into runaways. Cloak and dagger would have showed up in, in Hellstrom at some point. Mm-hmm. I do believe this was all pre shutting down cloak and dagger. Um, was they were starting a whole like what was it ABC Family or whatever it was they were going to have this Runaways and they were they were working on a like a what was it what what was the group that Squirrel Girl was going to be part of like they had another show and it all kind of fell apart but this went through I don't know why this this still went through but they're using stuff that was in the other shows and I'm like yeah they were trying to do what Netflix was doing. With uh, like with uh, Daredevil and Iron Fist and Power Man and all that stuff. At least that's my opinion. Yeah. But how did you enjoy it overall? Then it was good. Not yeah, great. Not... Um, I if I had more time this weekend, I absolutely would have watched another episode just um, to see. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I'm I'm on the the edge because we have Mandalorian coming in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Where if if another episode doesn't grab me, this show will be at my leisure, if you will. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It has to catch me because this is one of those that I'm like, oh, you know, if that makes any sense. Like, we'll see on this one as best I can do. Yep. It's got at least one more episode before uh, it's time for Mandalorian, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I usually give so- – I'll give something like one, maybe two episodes before I completely write it off. And there was enough stuff in here. We'll see what they pick up on the thread-wise in episode two. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah, we'll uh, be back here next week with another episode of Hellstrom, talking about a bunch of comic books. Uh, maybe a lot of crazy news like there was like we 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 lamented that there was no comic book news for like three weeks and then it was like all came out at once. I'm sure we'll see some stuff come out of the Baltimore panels at the very least uh, from the Ryan Stegman stuff, you know? I agree. I hope uh, Ryan I... Stegman, Donnie Kate stuff. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 525 of the Longbox Heroes. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.